every morning I say thank you Lord for another day that you have given me breath in my lungs you have given me strength to continue on to do your good work so every day truly is a blessing but a special uh, blessing it is when I am uh, sharing the word of God with uh, fellow saints bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and today is no ordinary day. It is the Lord's Day, but it is the entry point into Passion Week, the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. And uh, this is the week in which the Lord will prepare His body and His spirit to be sacrificed for, for us, for you and I. Where... He walks in knowing that there is no turning back. That he will go in with the intention of giving up his life, being temporarily separated from the Father to purchase you and I so that we may be adopted into the family of God and share in his wonderful inheritance. So I... I because it is Passion Week, we will have a special Good Friday service on this upcoming Friday, uh, the day the church commemorates the sacrifice of Christ where he dies on the cross on Calvary. I know some of you guys, uh, due to work or what have you, uh, will, aren't able to make it, but I I hope all of you guys will be able to join us through Zoom uh, for the Friday service. Uh, it will be a very powerful message about the, the depth of the love that Christ has for us. The lengths that he had to go through and the pain he had to endure uh, to purchase us. And then uh, we will have one of the two great uh, celebrations in our calendar year, Easter Sunday, will be next week. Um, I know a lot of you guys are used to worshiping with us uh, at home. But because it is Easter Sunday, um, I do challenge you guys to, to come and join service with us. We will have the Lord's Supper together to, to remember the work of Jesus Christ and um, yeah and just for us to come together as one family not merely to fellowship but to remember Christ to remember the head of the church and to give him that honor with our own bodies because we understand something he did not withhold anything of himself for us. So why would we? And a couple things about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem as Jesus Christ rides on a donkey and a colt. Uh, there was not the sermon couple of things I did want to touch upon that is a good segue into our passage for today. I completely forgot to write down 
passage. Why was Jesus Christ riding on a donkey? Donkey in um, certain gospels, donkey and a colt, but we see donkey in all four gospels. Well, we know one, it was to fulfill the prophecy in Zechariah that the king, that the savior of Zion would come to them riding on a donkey. So we know Jesus Christ came riding on a donkey. But have you ever wondered why he picked that animal? Usually kings ride on a majestic horse. Kings ride on a horse, not a mule. Why? Because the nature of his mission and to demonstrate or to reveal to us the heart of Christ our Lord. That he will go to suffer, but he is also the suffering servant. Think about what a donkey is good for. It is not fast. It cannot outrun a horse. It's not as beautiful as a horse, but it is tried and true. It puts, it can go many miles with things on its back. That is what a mule is good for. Christ carrying the burden of man's sin on his shoulders. And it shows his humility. This is why we see our king, the king who created the universe, riding on a donkey. And another thing that is interesting to note about this uh, wonderful uh, occasion is that the people cry out to him, Hosanna, Hosanna. Hosanna. They're crying out Hosanna, which means save us, deliver us. More technically, deliver us now. Deliver us, save us now. And they were praising Jesus and crying out to him to save them not realizing that Jesus Christ would save them in a completely different way. They had in mind that Jesus Christ would go and overthrow the Roman Empire so that the Jews once again will be an autonomous nation and will be a nation to rule all the other nations around Jesus Christ came to, to, to liberate them from their sin that they had no idea. So Hosanna takes on a whole new meaning for us on the other side of the cross. That Jesus Christ didn't just have the Jews in mind, but he had you and I. brothers and sisters from around the globe that he sought to purchase with his shed blood. So 
are very powerful. Well, today's message is we're going to continue on in Revelation. Revelation chapter 21. And we're going to actually go through the whole chapter. We're going to try this afternoon. But the reason why I want to go through Revelation is because what Christ did will ultimately lead us to the latter portion of Revelation, our future home. Because Christ died for us and paid the debt that we could not pay, our inheritance is in heaven. We are in heaven because of what Christ has done. And this is why we celebrate Jesus Christ. We don't just celebrate Christ so that we may feel good and wonderful on this earth. It is so that He, it is because He purchased us from this world, from hell, and gave us a new zip code where our names are engraved in heaven. That is our dwelling place because of what He has done. Not because of our own righteousness, but because of His. So, Revelation 21. I titled this message, Homeward Bound. Homeward Bound. Where we are headed. Our true home. Verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, and the first earth has passed away, and the sea was no more. Stop right there. So we have read previously that there will be this great white throne judgment that we believe will be the judgment of uh, all the unregenerate, those who do not receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And they will come before the mighty judge who cannot be bought, who cannot be persuaded otherwise, they will be judged according to their works. And we know if you're judged by your works, there is no chance of you entering heaven because of the sin nature in, in you that disqualifies you from heaven. Only those who have the imputed righteousness of Christ, it is only Christ that gives us the extra amount to get into heaven. We believe Christians facing a different kind of judgment, the Bema Seat of Christ. Well, after all this judgment is done with, and people are now in their final destination, it's a wonderful news for us. But what about those who do not have Christ as their Lord and their Savior? Which makes us feel the sense of urgency to evangelize and to proclaim Christ. But then we see in chapter 21, a new heaven and a new earth. What happened to the old one? Is he just going to crumple it up like a ball and throw it in the trash bin? What happens to the world as we know it? Well, we don't believe that this world will be obsolete. Rather, when, when it says here, a new heaven and new earth, it is a revamped version of this earth. 
Earth 2.0, if you will. And the transition from the old to the new will be via fire. God promised after he destroyed the earth with water, he would never destroy it again through those means. But he would do it again with fire. So 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, we get in, more insight into this. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away like a roar, and the heavenly bodies, or other translations say the elements, the heavenly elements will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Since all these things will be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to live, ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. So it is like a refining process. When you refine gold, you burn it in the fire and purge the impurities from it. But it's still gold. And this is how we're going to see the new heavens and the new earth. But it says here something interesting, that the sea was no more. So that in the new heavens and the new earth, there's no sea. Like the great oceans that we have in the world, Atlantic Ocean, Pacific Ocean, Indian Ocean, all of that will be obsolete in the new heaven and the new earth, in the new earth, I should say. The question is, why is that? Why no sea? I mean, the sea is very beautiful. Well, the sea, when you read in Scripture, represents something that um, is associated with evil, with man. That the sea, when you read in Scripture, it, it is not a place of solace and peace. When you read through the book of Revelation, and every time the sea is mentioned, it is always tied to this world system or the evil therein. Couple examples. Revelation 13.1. Remember the first beast rises out of where? Rises out of the sea. The, the first beast being Satan. Or just last week, Revelation 20, verse 13. During the great white throne judgment, what does it say? And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. So we know it's not a literal sea. It is symbolic of, of uh, this fallen age. But it could also be literal. We don't know. And when you think about all the storms that takes place in Scripture... They are out in the sea, aren't they? The disciples in the middle of a tempest. One, when Jesus was sleeping on the boat. And the second, when Jesus was walking alongside them. Happened where? 
the same. To signify in heaven there will be no storms, no storms of life, no turmoil. The moments in your life where you feel that there is no hope. Because in our new home, there will always be hope. Hope evermore. So we see it's, it's the same but very different than the nature of this present age. Verse 2, And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So we see here, from heaven, from the air, will come down this holy city. And this city will be called the New Jerusalem. And notice here, it is not given a brand new name that we do not um, understand. That this name right here is connected to Scripture, is connected to the Old Testament. We know Jerusalem, but this new heavenly kingdom that will come down is called the New Jerusalem. It is, it says, a holy city. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And this promise that we see running throughout the Old Testament, that God desires to be their God, will come to fruition in heaven. That he will be with them. He will walk alongside his people. And it says the dwelling place of God is with man. That there is no place that you can go of our understanding of heaven where the presence of God isn't there. All goodness, all joy, all peace, all rest will follow you wherever you go in heaven. For all eternity, this is what you will know and experience. It is not about your best life now. Your best life is going coming in the next. And it is because of our Lord. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. I love this. This is where our hope rests. We'll not go up there. Experience the same emotions that we do as human creatures. Emotion of pain, of loneliness, of anger. It will be all joy. 
Because there, there will be no part of you that will be lacking. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Meaning, I shall not be in want. There is nothing that I lack. In heaven, that will be more true than ever. There will be nothing that you lack. There will be no reason to cry. No mourning, no pain. There are some of us here and a lot of people out there in the world who cannot wrap their head around it because this is their reality, pain and suffering and mourning. They, their brain cannot comprehend, they cannot receive the fact that there can be a reality, a life without any of this. We know absolutely those can be relinquished here in this present age because of Jesus Christ. But in heaven, that will be the new reality. Fullness of it. And I think this is written here because a lot of the Christians that John was writing to, and a lot of the Christians who were reading this after, were those who were not living a wonderful life on this earth. The people who he was writing to, the audience, were those who were persecuted. They themselves or their children, family members, their church members, were put to death for their faith in Christ Jesus. And this is written here to remind them of their inheritance, remind them of what they have to look forward to in the next life. That yes, in this life, you may be suffering, you may be crying because of the persecution, because of the attacks that are coming on you from this world. Just suffer for a little while, just for a moment, because your eternal inheritance will have nothing of that sort. There will be no mourning, crying, or pain. So many of us who suffer in this life, our hope rests in the fact we have a, our, our real home where we will not experience any of those emotions ever, ever again. He says the former things have passed away. Those are from of this world, not in the next. It doesn't carry over. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. I love that everything from the words of God we can believe. And so here's the thing. I do not have to listen 
to a testimony of someone who had a near-death experience and went to heaven and came back. We have many people who share those stories. They write books about it, go on speaking tours, talking about what they saw in heaven. I don't need to hear those testimonies to know how wonderful heaven is and that I'm going there for sure. Because the Bible tells me. God's word has told me right here. And I trust God's word because it comes from one who is just and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers this will have this heritage. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers and the sexual, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. This is the second death. And so again, just a way of reminder of those who are getting to heaven. It is not those who practice, who abstain from such things. Because as I said before, without Christ, you are included in this category who will be in the lake of fire. It is only through Christ. It is only through Him that you are there. And then came one of the seven angels who had seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. Now, this new city, this place that we will call New Jerusalem, the holy city, we don't believe that it is, heaven is confined to this city because it has distinct measurements. And quite frankly, you know, it is quite small compared to, you know, the expanse of the universe. But we're going to see here is the special place where God's presence will reside. And we, we also believe that heaven will be far greater than this holy city right here. But again, this new Jerusalem, once again, to symbolize God's presence with his people, his throne room. Just like we had the tabernacle and the temple of God on this earth, we'll have the new Jerusalem to represent God's kingdom and rulership even in the eternal age of heaven. And its radiance was like a jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. Now, if you look at jasper, it has like a reddish or sometimes even greenish hue. And what 
John is saying is that this this city is not just majestic in beauty, but a lot of uh, commentators and scholars have like said that the color that is radiating symbolizes the magnificence and beauty of God Himself. It had a high, great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels. And on the gates, the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So we see here 12 gates, and on top of the gates, what is inscribed in it? The names of the 12 sons of Israel, representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Why is that in heaven? As I said before, though a lot of things are passed away, the former things are passed away, the things of this earth will perish, it will not carry over into eternity. But you guys remember one thing. The earth passes away, the we pass away, the word of the Lord stands forever. The word of God remains forever and ever. And so we will understand that we have been grafted in into the family of God as Gentiles. We will be conscious of this in heaven. So the 12 tribes of, of Israel, us seeing that at the Holy City, it will remind us that we have been grafted in by Christ and Christ alone. That God was and is the Jewish God. This is how He has chosen to reveal Himself to us. Which was why Jesus Christ came as a Jew. And then we have the foundations, 12 foundations. And so what it's saying is 12 levels, 12 levels. And on each level, it has the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And so we see here the New Testament infused with the Old Testament. There is a connection there. So the 12 apostles representing the new covenant. The work of Christ Jesus. So this is, again, to say that the Word of God will remain forever, and it will remain forever with us. This is why I say, ingest this book. Read this book. It's this book you will see in the next Verse 15, And the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and its walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as the width. And he measured the city with 
is rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and its width and height are equal. So this city, this great city, is a cube. It is a cube. 12,000 stadia is equivalent to 1,380 miles. 1,380 miles long, wide, and tall. That is very, very big. It's enormous. But again, compared to the expanse of the universe, quite small. So again, there is, of course, things that we do not know of that is beyond it. Our minds cannot comprehend it. But this is what was revealed to John. And then we see here a wall surrounding the, the great city. So this great city has a wall with 12 gates. And the gates, 12, oh sorry, the wall. And the city, verse 17, he also measured its wall. 144 cubits by human measurements, which is also an angel's measurement. It's interesting how he says that. The angel's measurement is the same as human measurements. 144 cubits, or 216 feet high. That's a pretty tall wall. The wall, built of jasper, while the city was pure gold like clear glass. Now, a couple things about the measurements here. Notice this... Uh, Recurring theme of the number 12. Number 12 that is embedded in, you know, the, the number of gates, number of foundations, and even in its measurements, 12,000 stadia. Multiple of 12. Same with 144 cubits. We see 12, and you guys remember what 12 represented. We went over this. It's a symbol of something. And 12 represents, symbolizes completeness. We can say perfection. So heaven and the holy city is going to be perfect. Perfect. No mistake. It, it has actual perfect measurements if we could even say such a thing. Because it is made by the perfect architect. Everything in heaven will be perfect. The wall was built of jasper. And so, you know, the, the radiant light that was beaming from this uh, temple was from the wall. Like jasper. While the city was pure gold, but it, it said like clear glass. You ever seen gold that's like clear glass? Now what is interesting about the, how he describes the, the city being like gold. Something that like we treasure most on this earth, that people give their life for gold is just building material is asphalt in heaven and is building material 
So it just shows you that even what we will seek after, what we value, will not be material things. The things that we people die over on this earth. Gold being a representation of them. Is, again, people who just step over in heaven. And the foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first jasper, second sapphire, the third gate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, and the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, and the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, the eleventh jaking, and the twelfth amethyst. It's hard to pronounce. But again, we see here twelve, again, the number twelve. Perfection. And what is interesting that these um, these minerals or rocks or jewels that you want to call them that the high priest were adorned when they went before the presence of God. These are the jewels that are on the, the vest of the high priest. And the twelve gates with twelve pearls each of the gates made of single pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. So, again, here, just how beautiful heaven is. In verse 22, I saw no temple in the city. So, in Jerusalem, if you go to Jerusalem, well, if you go to Jerusalem now, there is no temple. It is a, the, the, the mosque. But historically, when you went into Jerusalem, there the temple of God would be. But in heaven, there is no temple, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives its light and its lamp is the Lamb by its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and the gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there I love this no need for the sun or for the moon because God will be the light there is no need for a temple because God is the temple but the essence of God our Lord and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will permeate through every inch of heaven and because our God is the God of light. He is the Father of lights. And Christ being the light of men will be the, the light that will shine heaven. And because they will remain and they remain forever and ever, 
as our Lord is the great I am, there will be no night. And darkness symbolizing terror and separation from God. There will be none of that. No need for sleep. Because our Lord will be our strength. Finishes off with this. That nothing unclean will ever enter because anyone who does what is detestable or false nor anyone who does what is detestable or false but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life here's the thing we cannot imagine or dream just how wonderful heaven will be it is gonna knock our socks off just how wonderful it is now, I don't think what we read here does any justice to what heaven will truly, truly be like. But we will be there not because we were good enough, not because of our righteousness. It is because of Jesus Christ Himself. And this place, heaven, is a representation of God's immense love for us. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, for what God has prepared for those who love Him. If we have our uh, Christ as our Lord and Savior, we keep our eyes on Him, we endure the suffering of this life. We run the race faithfully. Paul is saying, you have no idea what's in store for you. To say that heaven is wonderful is an understatement. There are no words to fully grasp just how great heaven will be. And all of this given to us as an If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, as I mentioned before, this is your hope. Seared into your heart by the Holy Spirit, that that is where you belong. You belong in this wonderful place because you have been bought by the blood of Christ, adopted into the family of God, so you are the son and daughter of the Most High. And He brings you in to live with Him forever and ever. What a wonderful hope that is. This is far greater than hoping in an early retirement of the places we're going to travel in this world. This is far beyond that. And so, as we sing the final song, may we just thank God for this wonderful, wonderful hope that we can have 
all because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We can have hope in heaven. This is where we will go. All made possible through him.